Welcome back, everybody, to the Cedars A&E podcast. Again, that is the tentative title. Um, hopefully, we'll come up with a more creative one at some point. But I feel like it still captures... At some point, we'll figure it out. Yeah, it captures at least generally what we're going for, what we're talking about. Today, I have the honor of having two special guests on, along with, of course, Sam Acosta, um, my co-host. Professor Stratton, is that how you say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure, you know. I've been called worse. (laughs) 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 Professor Stratton and uh, Hannah Bradley, they are both a part of the fall play, Anne of Green Gables, which is having its first show next Thursday. Right. September 30th. 30th, September 30th. Um, Professor Stratton, you are directing. I am directing. Yes. Yes. Cool. Just wanted to make sure I don't say anything incorrectly. (laughs) (laughs) And then Hannah... You are the title role. You are Anne of Green Gables herself. Yeah. How does that feel? Uh, honestly, I mean, it sounds a little bit dramatic, but um, it's definitely a dream come true. Um, I've been wanting to play Anne for several years. Now she's kind of been on the top of my um, roles I want to play list. Um, so it's been super exciting and an absolute blast. That's awesome. Yeah. Were you a fan of the book or the movies growing up? Were you familiar with the material? Or? Yes, I was familiar with it. Actually, a funny story. Um, I was a big bookworm um, when I was a kid. But, um, and so my mom was like, oh, you have to read Anne of Green Gables. And I never finished the book. <gasps> it's the only book like I've never actually, like I didn't finish when I was a kid. Oh my goodness. I don't know why. Um, so I think that's kind of funny, but I distinctly remember a day when um, me and my cousin and my mom and my aunt and my little sister wanted to watch them all in one day. We wanted to have a marathon. Mm. And we forced my little brother to do it with us. He was the <laughs> only guy there. And we were like, you will sit down and watch all of these with us. I can relate. He was not very happy. <laughs> yeah. I have a sister who has shown has watched all of them with me yeah and they're not bad no they're I, I think they're pretty good personally mm-hmm. but the third one's a bit the third movie's a bit weird the third one's the best one because it's just like you oh think? my gosh it's action packed <laughs> at least in my opinion i don't know this is like a 12 year old boy i was like oh That's wait fair. there's like soldiers and stuff in this one i should pay attention <laughs> um, sounds about right yeah you first joined the faculty here 2019 i did 2019 yes, yes. What was your background in theater prior to coming to Cedarville? What was your experience? I actually graduated from Ole Miss in 1997, Mm. and that began my career prior to coming to Cedarville. So from that point on, I always taught classes or courses in theater or workshops at different colleges and universities throughout Tennessee and Kentucky and Missouri, a few in Mississippi. And I would also freelance as an actor, director, and a fight choreographer. Mm. Worked with some regional theaters, had a lot of fun. But I also had to balance that with my role as a wife and a mom. Yeah, so I just did that pretty much. Um, I taught adjunct in an adjunct capacity for over 20 years and mm. worked in the industry when I could. And then when my own kids were ready to go into college, I decided that if I was going to teach full-time at a university, that was the best time to do it. Mm. So enter Cedarville, that the Lord just lined up the opportunity for me to come to school with my kids. How about that? It's pretty interesting. I bet they enjoy that as well. uh, Well, you could ask them. (laughs) (laughs) To be continued. Maybe I'll just tell you the happy side of that story. No, it's all good. I'm enjoying it. We're having a a blast. So, yeah. And you've, uh, since your time here began, 
you've directed, is it three shows? And then this is your fourth now? This or? is my fourth. I'm looking at Sam. How yeah. many Sam? <laughs> this is my fourth show. Because it was That's The it. Heiress. Yes. And then All, All of My, my sons, sons was in there. Yes. Silent Sky. Silent Sky. That was the third yes. one. Because Sam mentioned those that list to me. That yeah. was an incredible show. Thanks. I cried. I cried too. Oh, I, cried I cried the first six times I saw it. I saw it all ten, and I cried the first six. I weeped backstage every night. Yeah, right. there was something about that show that was different every night, and a different yeah. part grabbed you. Yeah, I agree. It was well, I will show. say, The Heiress was pretty good too. The Heiress, it was okay, you know. In Sam's <laughs> professional, unbiased opinion. Yeah, it's not like I was as in it or anything. One of the leads of that play. <laughs> yeah. That Morris guy. He just kind of. He's kind of the worst, wasn't he? <laughs> he kind of he kind of was the worst, but the actor was pretty phenomenal. So I'll give you that. Oh, such okay. kindness on display here. <laughs> this is the type of content we like. Positivity. <laughs> um, well, he is sitting right beside me too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of have to. Yeah. Social obligation. <laughs> <laughs> so those four shows, as far as I can tell, um, a lot of differences between each of those shows. Um, I think especially just in contrast to the one you're doing now. Okay, yeah. How do you approach a new show that has a completely different tone, a completely different story, set of characters? What is your method when you're first starting out? It depends on the show. So because this show falls into the category of theater for young people, we approached this show um, knowing that it would coincide with the course, Theater for Young People, that we're teaching this semester. Mm. So I wanted to be sure that there was a component to the show that the students taking the course could also collaborate with. The fact that we intentionally are making this show one that appeals to an audience of younger people and parents, grandparents, um, it does factor into a little bit of how we rehearse and produce a show, but honestly, the story just transcends all generations. Mm. I mean, I have a friend that was in town over the weekend, and she has four of her own little kids, and she said just um, the past month she had read the novels to her kids, her own kids, not knowing that we were doing the show. So I think that... Just the classic children's story, Anne of Green Gables, is um, it's kind of a legend on its own. It's mm. a title people will recognize and you know, will hopefully want to come and buy a ticket <laughs> to see the stage adaptation. But it is based on a novel, and so was The Heiress. It was loosely based on Washington Square. So yeah. there's some similarities there. And so your approach is always to discover what the story is and because we had the books, you know, that made it a little bit easier in one sense, but a little trickier in another sense, because we're not presenting the entire series of books on stage. And finding this particular stage adaptation was harder because all the different adaptations that we looked at were um, good in this area, but not in that area. And so we couldn't just pick and choose, you know, and what we presented on stage. But this is the one that we landed on because it was so all-encompassing of the greatest moments in the book. Mm. And Does it cover 
the events of the first book? Or? Yeah, so okay. just Anne of Green Gables. Hmm. But it, there are 35 scenes. So it's sort of a, a vignette-style production, hmm. which is fun for me. Maybe not for the actors, because they have 35 <laughs> transitions to oh make. Oh, my so, goodness. And some of the scenes are one page, one page long. Oh. So you've got to one minute scene and then they're hopping straight to the next scene so there are some challenges in there but they have far surpassed my expectations they they've got it and i'm so excited about what's going to happen in a week <laughs> on mm. the stage you mentioned uh how this is a show at least geared in some ways towards younger people at right. least it's a show that could be as entertaining to kids as it is to adults. Right. But I feel like a lot of times we like dichotomize stories <laughs> to be like, okay, this is stuff for kids. And then right. there's the stuff for adults that is right. actually good, which I think part of that is there's a lot of kids content that is bad. So <laughs> 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 makes sense yes. why that there's a general like stereotype there. But I think the best stories, I think you see that um, with classics like this that have stood the test of time. I think you see it even in stuff like the stuff Pixar puts out. Right. It works for kids but it's just a good story, so it works for everyone. Uh, it's timeless. I like the word you use there, timeless. Um, right. So, yeah, that was just my soapbox that I wanted I to like get on. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to add anything to that, then you could. I, but. There probably are people somewhere in the world that don't love Anne of Green Gables, but I would dare say they are in a, a small minority. And um, just, the again, just the familiarity that people are going to have with their own childhoods, you know, their experiences, whether they read the books when they were little or maybe watched the movies or whatever investment they've had in the story, um, or those who come to the play and have never read the novels, never seen anything or even heard of Anne of Green Gables. The story stands alone and it still speaks to the value of family hmm. and friendships and forgiveness and the three Fs, I say. <laughs> and it is... I think just a, a show that everyone will enjoy. We're not dumbing anything down for a younger group of people. We're mm. not, you know, trying to make it more elevated for the adults in the crowd. It's just a great show for homecoming weekend or for See You Friday weekend, which just happens to be the next weekend, which is kind of cool. Mm. I'm hoping that the audience will just come with an open mind and an open heart and just let the story speak to to whatever topics or moments in their own life that you know the lord wants to open to them hmm. not to just jump around but i'm going to anyway uh we heard a little bit about your background yeah hannah tell us about your background in theater because i believe this is is it your third show at cedarville yes. okay this is my third show here at cedarville um i don't know what number it is in general. Um, mm -hmm. I started doing theater when I was um, a small child. I was seven in second grade when I played um, one of the King's children in The King and I. Um, Iconic. Yes. It was honestly for, it was still one of my favorites. I was the, the smallest child who, who runs in late um, when they're mm. all bowing. And then she bows backwards. So the king like picks her up and flips her around <laughs> and sets her, <laughs> sets her right. Um, so that was me. And so I just kind of fell in love. I don't really remember how I ended up doing more shows. I just, I did that one and then I never stopped. Mm. Um, and I just quickly fell in love with it. 
and I was uh, a lot smaller than like the kids around me. So quickly when sports started coming up and everyone was playing volleyball and things, I was too short <laughs> to, to be able to hit the ball properly. So I just did theater, which didn't even bother me um, because I loved it so much. Did it all through high school, um, did some community theater shows in the summer. And just it's just one of my favorite things ever to do um, in the world. And, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in college. And uh, my dad was like, you know, you can you can minor in theater, but I'd really like you to find something else um, to major in mm. just for practical reasons. And I was like, you yeah, know, OK. My dad and I are both very logical minded. So I was like, <laughs> all right, dad, sure. I guess um, I'll look for something else. I was kind of settling on history and I just was like, sure, I, I love history, but I don't I don't know. It just doesn't feel like what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I, I don't remember how the conversation happened, but I just remember um, in December of my senior year of high school, my dad and my mom sat me down and just kind of told me that, that they would be okay if I decided to major in theater. And I remember just crying um, because my mom talked to me. She was like, Hannah, I remember when you were um, in seventh grade and you decided you were going to quit volleyball. And you looked at me and you said, Mom, when I'm on the volleyball court, I'm so scared and I don't know what to do. But when I'm standing on the stage, I just feel like I belong. Mm. And I hadn't even remembered saying that to my mom. And so I just cried and I was like, really? And she, and then the next thing she said to me, I also vividly remember, she said, shoot for the stars, kiddo, we're with you all the way. Oh. I think that theater is a beautiful art of storytelling. And I think that as Christians, we have um, such a beautiful story um, of the Lord's redemption um, mm. to share. So I'm going to ask you a question because I think a lot of theater majors, especially at Cedarville, have a lot of moments <laughs> like that. Like, I know my moment was my mom didn't want me to be a theater major. I was going to do <laughs> political science and be a theater minor. And I was at the last, my senior year of high school, I had just done my last performance, and I walked off the stage, and my mom was crying, and she was like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You mm -hmm. go ahead and do it. And I remember just crying my eyes out in the middle of that, <laughs> in the middle of that auditorium. When you were, when you decided to do theater, was there the same stigma? And, like, did you have a moment like that where you had, like, a this is what I'm supposed to be doing or, like, now I can do what I want to do kind of moment? I grew up in a slightly older generation than you did, Sam. That's why I was asking. a little older. Couple no, I, the, the yeah. The stigma was still there. Interestingly enough, my love for theater started in kindergarten. I remember the Christmas play that I was in in the cafeteria on that stage, and I knew that I loved it more than I loved other things. I had parents who adored our passions. Anything that my brother and I were interested in, my parents were just hugely supportive. And um, I was also the first person in my family, my um, immediate family, to go to college. Um, my brother started but didn't finish, so we don't count that. But um, when I was in uh, middle school and high school, I was very active in theater and um, the speech team. I competed with the speech team. And when I decided to go, I went to Murray State undergrad in Kentucky, go racers. And it was never an issue, you know, as to what I was going to major in. My parents just assumed I would do speech and theater for my undergrad. And it paid my way through school, so obviously that's a perk. And I think the stigma is probably more an issue now. Just because when a lot of people, 
actually, it's surprising to me when people say, my parents didn't want me to major in theater. I did not have that experience at all. So I try to relate and have compassion, but my parents were just such staunch believers in what they had seen and how they had seen theater transform me um, as a person and as someone who was so um, grounded and rooted in what I believed and why I believed it and could talk about that. And that was directly related to what I was learning, you know, the theatrical skills I was learning. So when I wanted to major in theater, there was never an issue. I never had to fight, you know, parents or um, consider majoring in history. It was <laughs> never on my radar. <laughs> but um, I, I do have parents who come to the CU Friday tables who say, you know, they want to do this on the side. And, you know, what could someone do really with a theater degree? And I want to say, okay. Um, what can you not do with a theater degree? Yeah, it's it prepares you in so many different ways. It teaches you how to present yourself, how to communicate well, winsomely, how to um, organize. You know, project management. It doesn't get more <laughs> more detail oriented yeah. than putting on a production, um, teamwork, collaboration, creative thinking, and honestly, just um, it sets you up to be able to sell whatever you're you're walking out of your undergrad ready to sell. It could be your yourself, your service, the gospel message. Um, theater is a great, well-rounded education. So that's my pitch. How and many now, do I sound now, uh, a word from our sponsor, yeah. the Cedarville <laughs> Theater Department. Yeah. You know, I had a student, I'm going to call them out, um, in my acting class yesterday, just um, someone who just declared a minor um, I think he's a junior now, and he was saying, regret that I didn't do a double major mm. in theater, and I'm trying to work that out. And so we talked about that a little bit. And, you know, I think people who have theater as a major get an interview just because people are curious about yeah. what that person is like. Mm. And, you know, maybe maybe you land the job after that. But it also opens up a networking opportunity that a lot of majors may not have. You know, yeah. we're out there doing shows where I'm watching 400 to 500 auditionees and I'm talking to them through callbacks at, you know, conventions. And I'm networking with other university university um, theater people. So we have a family outside of just, you know. History profs. I'm not a dog in the history department at all. It sounds like I am. I, you know, we rely heavily on history, obviously, because a lot of good stories. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So I think that theater is um, something that's a great, a great place to major in, minor in, do on the side. The Lord is sovereign, you know, ultimately. So Mm -hmm. if you're seeking Him first and He leads you to um, the department, the program, then that's great. But if He leads you somewhere else. You know, that's okay, too. You just got to trust him. But. Yeah. I, I love to tell people that my backup plan is to join the FBI because um, the FBI hires it's, people it's, with theater degrees it, for espionage. It is not There you go. Because yeah. you can act. And so I'm like, that is my, like, that. I would love for that. That's so cool. That's a, is that a true fact? Yeah, yeah it that's really, serious. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, hey, oh. you can't catch a gig. Join the FBI. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are a lot of there are a lot of places that do recruit people yeah. who have the ability to act. And theater's not just acting, right? Oh, oh, we oh, have 100%. designers, yeah, directors. There's a lot of elements. Yes, yeah. so to making a play. Sorry, I didn't mean to send us off on that tangent. I was, <laughs> oh, you're I was good. just curious because I never asked you that. That's cool. Speaking of all the elements that go into putting a show together, what would you say? This is for I guess 
all of you guys. What has been the most difficult part about bringing this show together? What element has been the most challenging to kind of have come together? And how have you worked to overcome that? We probably all have a different answer to that. <laughs> but it could probably all be boiled down to the same um, issue of the production schedule. <laughs> um, the exactly fall show thinking. is the shortest timeline mm -hmm. for a production to be put into motion. So we started actual in-person rehearsals the first week of school, not anticipating that we would have, you know, kind of a, a COVID surge in the middle of that. Mm. We didn't originally cast understudies and um, didn't anticipate that our rehearsal space would be needed, you know, for other um, needs that the university had. So, is that you know, I, they, no one knows? Alfred. I don't think anyone understands. Yeah, oh, I'm not that, aware that's of our this. rehearsal space. Yes, is that, yes. that's where so we rehearse. Really? Yeah. So our production calendar, um, we start rehearsing in Alfred. So we do mm. all of our rehearsals there up into two weeks before we open. Mm. So then we move into the DeVries Theater because they're building the set and yeah. you know running shop hours. We employ student workers. So Alfred is our space for rehearsals. And so when that was needed for other things, we relocated over to um, the event rooms in the SSC. And so that, we were in the middle of blocking. So blocking means, you know, finding out, discovering where you need to go on stage. So there is a learning curve when you shift spaces, and that was hard for the actors. And then when you add 35 transitions <laughs> in between the scenes, that that's, is crazy. that's another um, element. But yeah. so I think just the timeline has been the biggest challenge to do the deep character work that we really want to do and spend a lot of time on and I feel like we're just running. It's just like enter here, exit there, <laughs> cross somewhere in between, and next scene. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that was probably one of the first things that pops into my head. Yeah. Um, you know, because um, Anne is in 34 out of the 35 scenes. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a lot of uh, running from stage left to stage right and around the door and through the escape stairs to get back on stage. And, you know, among that, she she is probably the most talkative thing ever to exist the energy she, yeah, yeah she just talks and talks and talks you gotta bring it yeah it's just been a lot of blocking of just like saying the lines that that goes on and um trying to remember which of the scenes is next you know and so um i would say for a long time my the characterization of um, bringing Anne to life wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, and, you know, she mentioned adjusting to the stage for the first time. It's like all those lines you've memorized, you're finally off book. Mm -hmm. You step onto the stage for the first time and it all flies out the window. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wait, where'd the lines go? I don't have my pages. <laughs> where are they? Yeah. So um, that's definitely an adjustment. But um, now, you know, we're settling into um, the stage and it's kind of coming together and giving us a place to put the characters. Mm. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that start to really coming to life. Um, but yeah, I would probably say that's um, the schedule and just the amount we have to pack in the small, um, the couple weeks is a challenge, but it also, you know, keeps us, keeps us motivated and keeps us going too. Right. Keeps you awake. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> 35 <laughs> transitions. Yeah. yeah. Not to make this about myself, but in high school I was involved in some drama uh, some productions it, with my co-op, so they were smaller ones. But the last year, uh, my senior year, I got one of the lead parts, and my character was in all but one of the scenes. Yeah. But I think there were like like 16 probably transitions yeah. total. That alone like killed me. <laughs> and 
yeah, just having to constantly just like run on stage, off stage, on stage, off stage. Like you don't get a break. I so. work up a sweat every night. <laughs> yeah. Doing theater in a co-op. We've never talked about this, but doing theater in a co-op, I feel, is way different than even like a high school. Because Hannah, I know your high school is pretty, like it's pretty, your director in charge is very like put together and it's a pretty yeah. nice program. Yeah. But for the co-op, I feel like it's much more ragtag. Somewhat <laughs> scuffed, Yeah. some would say. <laughs> because I remember not only would I like be an actor or a lead, but then I'd also be in charge of all the set changes at the <laughs> oh same time. Goodness. So I would run off stage, go behind, organize everyone, get all the set pieces on, walk out there, check to make sure the set was right, walk off, and then walk on as my character. Interesting. And it led to some... Five-minute scene changes? A couple changes. of mistakes. Uh, some, long, <laughs> some long scene changes, but also like in Pride and Prejudice, we were supposed to switch from the Bennett's house to like... A, or from the, a garden to the Bennett's house. We didn't happen, so the whole Bennett family was sitting in a garden <laughs> <laughs> with Mr. Collins and just <laughs> having a good time. The show must go on. Yeah. But yeah. I think with co-op, at least in my co-op, the director we had, she was very organized. And she had to be because one of the things is basically everyone who auditioned kind of was included in some way. So it wasn't necessarily yeah. these are, you know, the top of the top, best of the best. It was like, here's everyone in our co-op between the grades of like, <laughs> like in high school, like ninth through 12th. So she would kind of just have to like carry us all along. And there'd be like the five people who like you were like committed. And then there were the rest who were kind of just there. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll do this. Why not? It's available. Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's a class. It's a, something to do. So, but yeah, it is. Sorry, I sorry. I hadn't made that it. connection. I just keep sending us on tangents. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hadn't made that connection that you and I, yeah. Sam, were the co-op people. Could bond in that way. Yeah, we're similar in that Ooh, way. We love it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> what has been the most enjoyable, fun part of getting to prepare this story and tell it? I was so excited to start working on to start work on this show because, first of all, the cast. Mm. Um, we. We honestly have a group of students who love each other um, on and off the stage. They're great friends. And, I mean, that has its challenges, but it's been really beautiful to see them um, come together in a different way. Um, because there are children, there are children's roles that they're portraying. I think it's been fun to let them... Um, kind of debrief and uh, unwind and yeah. release some of that stress. Um, when they're playing an 11-year-old, you can do a few things that you can't as a 20-year-old college student. Mm. Yeah. And so that's been really fun. And I've just um, pushed them to um, try it. Just do something crazy, and I'll let you know if it doesn't work. And sometimes it didn't work, but I just let them go because it's just fun to watch. And <laughs> so that's been really fun, and the process has been um, – one that we've had a lot, a lot of laughter, um, <laughs> a lot of laughter, a lot of um, sometimes a little too much. A little too <laughs> much. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, these are these people are some of the f some of my most favorite people in the world right here, and just uh, I know me and the actress Lily, who plays Diana, multiple times have just ended up in an absolute fit of giggles. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time where we laughed so hard we both had tears pouring down our faces and we couldn't even speak our lines. Um, and I couldn't tell you what we were laughing about. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I can. We, we, we just started giggling. And, um, you know, I feel like 
a lot of that, you know, was just stress and we were just, you know, got it all out. And, um, it's yeah, for sure. Um, just the people make it an absolute blast. And then to even be able to talk with them about, um, our characters outside of rehearsal is, Mm. is so fun, you know? Um, and that is definitely probably, I think, one of my um, favorite aspects of theater in general is the people that I get to do it with. But um, I think this, this cast is going to hold a really special place in my heart. Hmm. Well, I'm going to start wrapping us up. Have you guys started doing like full on dress, dress rehearsals? rehearsals? will start Monday. We okay. do three dress rehearsals. We're in what we call tech week right yeah. now. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we have a student who has written original this was on my list. Yes. Oh, okay. thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we have um, Haven Seidel has written. That's my roommate. Yeah. <gasps> Whoa! Connections all around. Nepotism. That's what I said. Uh, <laughs> no. It's she all has written uh, original music to underscore the show and all of those thirty-five transitions. Oh that, my goodness! And, and it's beautiful. And Haven is such. Um, such a sweet and humble spirit um, anyway and she is so musically gifted and really has an uncanny way of tapping into the tone of a scene mm. and then using music to transition it to, to carry the audience emotionally where it needs to be to start the next one and honestly without her contribution to the show, I feel like it would be 35 blips on a map that could or could not mesh together. <laughs> um, but she has allowed um, her gift to be the common thread that really mm. connects it and sews it all into this beautifully wrapped package. Um, but she also um, did original music for um, Silent Sky. That so was the most beautiful song I've ever heard in my she, life. She was um, one of the lead characters who is the mu- musician in Silent Sky. And the sister in the, the show had to write an orchestral composition. So Haven said, what if I wrote it? myself and I was like what if you did so she did and um, yeah just one of one more component that made that show so special yeah Um, yeah but so we just um, asked her to come and be a part of this show in the same capacity well to a larger degree because she's writing all of it (laughs) and it's beautiful it really is Um, we just talked about like what instruments represented the feel of the show so we've got some violin and Mm -hmm. some cello and piano and um, she has written themes, uh, melodic themes for each of the characters that kind oh of drive the She's action and that. Yeah, it's, oh, for sure. it's deep. It's very deep. Is this going to be recorded and then played with the play? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so God. she actually got we have um, Cedarville people who are mm. the musicians mm-hmm. that she recorded. And um, I think she got a sound um, guy, uh, what's the word? I'm sure it's sound technician. Sound technician. Yeah. Someone. Shout out to Jair. He did the mm. arranging, you know, the all the technology to help put it together so that we can play it um, for the the shows. Yeah. So it's going to be beautiful. Another proud moment of yeah. this production. It's just yeah. the music. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The last question I had for you guys is what, and this is for all of you, um, what are you hoping for? audience members to take away from the show to walk away from the show with thinking about feeling anything like that um, I I would say okay so this is such 
just a beautiful story. And I think um, every character is so lovable. I mean, sometimes you really don't like some of them, but um, the main characters especially are so just so lovable. You fall in love with them so easily. Um, and I think I just want the audience to be able to step away from the craziness of life and to just come and see a beautiful story mm. um, about a family that's created and just um, to be whisked away um, into Anne's imagination um, and kind of see the world the way she sees it um, and ha walk away with a new perspective on life um, and on those that they love um, and on, you know, just be able to feel rested and just like um, they were actually on Avonlea. Um, in Avonlea on the Prince Edward Island um, for a little while because I think this show is just powerful enough to do that. Hmm. Love their families a little bit more intentionally. Mm -hmm. um, maybe take a few things less for granted. I think when you um, just consider the story of Anne and as Christians what adoption truly means to us and you see it in... Um, the humanity of Anne, um, not to give away the story, but who ends up in a place where um, she really didn't meet the expectation. But um, just as Christ, you know, does for us, um, something else was seen in her and a value was attached to her that allowed her to become not just a part of the family, but the life of the family. And, um, yeah, just to just to realize that families aren't always traditional, you know, just what we think a family should be. And no matter where you are in your family unit, your um, whatever struggles your family is going through right now, nothing is insurmountable. Um, there's always a way to heal and to thrive and to continue, you know, even when sadness and tragedy hits. So, I would also just add, like, family isn't just blood. Like, I think it, mm. this, because, like, Anne's not related. Right. And she's just, like, this, it's the story of just total strangers becoming one of the, cl like, closest families that mm -hmm. you could be. So, it's, like, you can make family out of anyone. Right. And I think that is something that's really special, especially as believers. Right. The church. Like, the church. Like exactly. Felt when you, the fellowship we have with fellow believers can be so, like, deep and just so beautiful, I think. Well, there you have it, folks. That's, um your pitch to go see this show, which will be, is premiering the right word? I th only think in movie terms. Opening? Opening. Opening, opening night opening. is, it'll be opening. Uh, next Thursday, September 30th, like we said. What is the time of that show? 7.30. 7.30. 7.30, very curtain. convenient We timing. also have a new art gallery in the lobby of the DeVries Theater, which will be opening at 6.30. So oh my come goodness. and see Professor Booth. He's one of our new um, studio art professors and he will have a an exhibition open yeah. so yeah we're excited Dang. about that yeah, yeah. So, so house opens at seven mm -hmm. curtain at seven thirty. tickets you can buy online yes or so you can buy them online or at the ssc info desk info opening desk. night student um cu students can get tickets for ten dollars which is discounted oh. more for that night so we have 10 performances yep. we have five performances over um both weekends nice okay just want to make sure that information's yeah. out there. Yeah, Anyone online. who's interested. Um, this has been the Cedars A&E podcast. Thank you, Professor Stratton and Hannah, for coming on. Um, thank you, Sam, for co-hosting with me, as <laughs> always. Anytime. Uh, thank you, Professor Gilbert. He is the one who owns this setup. He lets us use it, and it's awesome. Thank you, Katie, our audio editor, for 
editing this down to a tolerable length and <laughs> editing out all the awkward pauses. Please make us sound um, intelligent. <laughs> make us sound good. Uh, yeah. Thanks to everyone who's helped make this podcast possible. I think that's a wrap. Awesome. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. Thank you, Thank you guys for being here.